Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hello, hello, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Yet another episode of the Digital Agency Show here for you. I am I am pumped about today's program. We have Mike Payton, who is currently the visionary of EOS Worldwide. Now, if you have no idea what EOS Worldwide is, it stands for Entrepreneur Operating System and has been popularized by the book called Traction by uh, EOS's former visionary, uh, Gino Wickman. And uh, Gino and Peyton actually wrote a book called Get a Grip, an entrepreneurial fable uh, that actually runs through through uh, what it's like as a business to apply EOS to your company. Today, Peyton spends his time pretty much 100% giving back uh, to the entrepreneur community as an author, award-winning speaker, certified EOS implementer, and as I mentioned, currently uh, the visionary of EOS worldwide. And specifically, Peyton helps entrepreneurs clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision by mastering the simple concepts and practical tools um, that he'll be talking a little bit about uh, on our program today. Peyton, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. What got you into entrepreneurship uh, in the first place? What was the thing that first got you started? Well, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household and um, spent my whole career uh, working with entrepreneurs, um, always feeling like one day I was going to uh, take the entrepreneurial leap myself. So I, so I would just say life uh, got me into entrepreneurship. And then, um, and then one day, a client of mine um, needed to fill out a sales and marketing seat on his leadership team and invited me in to run, run his business with them. And that was the first of four entrepreneurial experiences I had uh, running or helping run small businesses. And I, I felt like I was at home ever since, even during the good, the bad, and the ugly. You said you grew up in an entrepreneurial household. I'm just imagining what that could mean. Were were both of your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah. So um, uh, through a couple of different iterations of family, like I'm sure many of your listeners have themselves, my parents were either part-time entrepreneurs, inventors, tweakers, or full-on running their own businesses. And so, you know, for me, Business never really stopped at home. The two things were interwoven. I'm, I'm just imagining what, what dinner conversation. You said that it never stopped at home. So your parents or in your household, you were talking about having a business or creating product ideas or business ideas kind of freely and openly as a family? Uh, yeah, and and complaining about business. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my stepfather's uh, great quotation was, Mike, this business would be great if it weren't for customers and employees, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, from a young boy, I mean, I'm the classic story of, you know, I'd go to the carry out and buy a couple uh, boxes full of candy and sneak them to school and sell them to my classmates out of the lockers. And, you know, I had paper routes and sold magazine subscriptions and 
you know, I've just been working to make my own money since I was a, a wee lad and, and have never really felt completely at home doing anything else uh, besides being accountable for my own well-being. Hmm. Did you ever do something that was was outside of that comfort zone that reaffirmed your desire to participate in small business and with entrepreneurs? Yeah. Uh, so, so the early part of my career, uh, when I was still in college, um, I got a job as a management trainee in a savings and loan in the late 1980s. And uh, that began about a 12-year stint in banking. And of course, my father, a lifelong entrepreneur, um, pulled me aside and said, hey, Mike, you know what Mark Twain said about bankers, don't you? <laughs> I said, no, no, what? And he said, well, a banker is somebody who will give you an umbrella when it's nice outside and take it away the minute it starts to rain. So, uh, you know, I learned a tremendous amount in banking. I learned how to sell. I learned the ins and outs of a great business. I learned the personal habits and the professional habits of, you know, successful business people and unsuccessful business people. And I wouldn't trade the experience for the world, but that entire time in my life, I just, I felt like I was in training for when the real part of my business life was going to start again. And, and it's always been entrepreneurship. So, so was that next jump for you when your, your friend had a seat open, the marketing and sales seat in his business? That's right. It was a, a pre.com bust. And, uh, and so I left to uh, run sales and marketing for a company that was attempting to build a B2B e-commerce platform um, and uh, spent my first 18 months running an entrepreneurial company in that crazy time that uh, was the late 80s, you know, early in the year 2000, uh, where the idea of running a profitable going concern had been abandoned for a desire to, quote, go public, as though that were a be-all and end-all itself. So it's a crazy time to learn how to run a business. Now, you now are currently the visionary for an organization called EOS Worldwide, which stands for Entrepreneur Operating System, for those of you that have never heard of the term EOS, which has been very much popularized by the book uh, Traction uh, by Gino Wickman. When did EOS come into your life? Yeah, so uh, it's about 10 years ago now. I was uh, trying to run a $7 million market research firm here in uh, Minneapolis, and I was frustrated. And uh, somebody moved into my neighborhood uh, who happened to run a business headquartered in Southeast Michigan that was using Gino as their EOS implementer. And uh, he shared some of the things Gino was doing with his company with me. And I just was immediately drawn to the simplicity, the practicality. Um, it was very similar to a lot of ideas and philosophies and strategies that I was trying to employ, although to Gino's credit, they were cobbled together in a way that I actually thought could work <laughs> rather, rather than the sort of haphazard way I was going about it. And, uh, and so, as I said, that was about 10 years ago. I flew to Detroit. I went through a couple of day training program with Gino, sort of watched him work, got, uh, you know, into the nuts and bolts of why EOS works and fell in love with it. And I haven't done a darn thing since, but uh, be a full-time EOS implementer and 
and ultimately the the guy lucky enough to succeed him in the visionary role for the company that shares EOS with the world. Over the last few years, since you and I met three years ago at that Digital Masterminds meetup, uh, we've been using EOS a lot in our business. And I feel like among, among entrepreneurs, uh, you know, you'll be sitting around with, I don't know, three or four entrepreneurs at an event or something like that. And, and somebody will be griping about their problems that they're having. And I feel like the book Traction has become kind of a punchline to anybody that's has any problem in their business. I mean, maybe almost too much. So like any, anybody that's talking about how they're frustrated with their business or they hit a ceiling or whatever. I mean, I, I wouldn't even bring it up because it's just almost guaranteed that somebody, somebody there is going to say, Oh, well you need to read EOS or you need yeah. to read traction. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's really been an amazing journey, Brent. And we see the same thing. Um, you know, when, when I started, um, you know, Gino had just published Attraction, um, and you know, we, the the other EOS implementers that he was attracting and training were the primary distribution point for for the book. And so now there are four books published and a fifth on its way. Um, we're selling over one hundred and fifty thousand books annually. Um, we're, we're over, uh, 375,000, uh, total books sold in the series, the vast majority of which are traction. And, uh, you know, here in Minneapolis alone, we have, uh, 15 professional EOS implementers. One of my clients walked into my session room last week and said, geez, Peyton, I can't swing a dead cat in this town <laughs> and not get somebody who's trying to run their business on EOS. So, you know, the, the thing that, makes us excited about that more than anything else, Brent, is we're not a particularly good marketing organization. We've just built brand affinity for EOS, one satisfied client at a time, one entrepreneur who, who joined us when they weren't getting everything they wanted from their business, who had the courage to implement a different way of running a business that they had built successfully on their own. You know, it's those people who are the authors of that story and you know, we're just fortunate to get the opportunity to get in the trenches with them and do good hard work with them. And, and the rest is kind of taken care of itself. So thrilled to be a part of that journey. Have you guys ever imagined a world where, where all businesses run on EOS? I mean, do, does that mean that businesses are, are, I would assume that would mean that businesses would be even more competitive with one another if they were all organized and kind of running efficiently in their six main areas. I mean, there's nothing really about EOS that helps differentiate a business. It's more that the result of what you do through the operating system helps you to differentiate and run a better business. Yeah, I, I you know, my my initial reaction to your question is, Gosh, no. <laughs> I can't imagine a world in which every business was running on EOS. And the reason I say that is it is a very particular way of operating a business. And it is absolutely not for everybody. Um, you know, there are lots of ways to run a successful organization. And uh, EOS is but one of them. And there are a lot, thank goodness, a lot of entrepreneurs in the world who want um, everybody in their organization to be on the same page with the vision and the plan to execute on that vision. They want everybody to be focused, disciplined, and accountable. They want everybody to be working together as part of a cohesive, open and honest, 
you know, fun loving leadership team where we're, we're able to tell each other the truth and, and we're, we're collaborating and teammates rather than adversaries and all of that. But there are also lots of highly successful business owners who are command and control oriented and want to make all the most important decisions and don't want to share everything with their people. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and there are dozens and dozens of famous, highly successful businesses that prove you don't have to run your business the EOS way to be successful. So all we ever imagine is that every entrepreneur out there who isn't getting what he or she wants from their business and can't figure out how to do a better job themselves looks enough at what we offer to make a decision about whether or not this is the right way for them to run their business. And when they make that decision, we're happy to help. And when they don't, we want them to find a way of operating that works for them and, and be successful some other way. You mentioned decisions, having, giving other people in the business control. And, and that's been, uh, I feel like that's a journey for every leader is, is figuring out how to do that better. And that's been a, a big thing for myself, just being totally open and honest of how you uh, can give other people in your business control or give them authority. I mean, I used to kind of be that guy that would uh, maybe give somebody the responsibility of an outcome, but I wouldn't necessarily give them the authority to do the things necessary for that outcome. Uh, And I think over the last three years with EOS, I've had to kind of learn how to step back. And one of the biggest challenges that I've been going through is allowing somebody to learn. And we learn through failure, we learn through challenge and other people in your team have to go through that. They can't do everything perfect uh, the first time. Uh, how, how does EOS help people with that? Because that for me is, has been a, a challenge. Well, I, you know, we could fill this whole podcast with an answer to that, <laughs> first of all. Um, so I want to touch on a couple of things. Um, number one, I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, myself at the top of the list, have a tendency to confuse power with control. And and I actually, the tendency is to view those things as the same thing, and I think they're opposites. So power is when a team of people do things and get the desired outcomes that you believe are possible on their own because they're excited to be part of your program. That's power. Control is making people do things and get the desired outcome because you believe it's possible, and by gosh, you're going to prove it to them. And I find that my clients who spend most of their time exercising control have precious little power, And my clients who really have power exercise very little control. So if you want people to independently execute on your vision and accomplish not only what you think is possible, but maybe way more, you must stop executing control because you use the term authority. If you want somebody to be accountable for getting great results and doing it the right way, you need to give them decision-making authority. If the only things they do, they're doing because you told them to, 
they don't feel accountable. They're doing what you told them to. And so how many times in your career, I certainly have many recollections of this, where you're, you're calling an employee on the carpet or you're having a tough conversation with an employee saying, hey, how come this happened? Why didn't we do this? Blah, blah, blah. And the answer is, well, you told me to do these things and you didn't tell me what to do there. You know, you can't have an independently capable, highly accountable, skilled, passionate, effective leadership team if you just want them to only do what you tell them to do. And there's your generic, broad answer to that question. Um, the more detailed answer is EOS and strengthen the six key components creates a framework where it is easier for an entrepreneur who knows that every result is critical to let go and allow failure to happen. Because you said this when you were phrasing the question, it is scary to trust somebody else to get an outcome that's important to the health of your business. And in order to really cede control, you need to open yourselves up to the potential that they're going to fail. And so EOS provides a toolbox that helps you see failure coming sooner and work together with your people to mitigate risk around failure. That's part of the secret sauce, in my humble opinion. Mm. And and uh, Peyton just mentioned for our, our listeners uh, the six key components of of EOS. Which if you guys just Google or when you get home, Google EOS model and look at just click on images, and you guys will see uh, what he's talking about. But it's basically vision, traction, data, issues, people, and process. So those are the six key uh, components of your business that EOS uh, helps you with. And I, I feel like we could probably do a podcast episode diving into each of those of those areas. And that, that's kind of the ultimate solution for, for, for EOS and what you guys do as implementers is help people get to as close to a hundred percent in those six areas, which it's an interesting process. Just, just coming from a company that has been applying this, there's all these things that you know, and then there's all these things that you don't know. And I think when we started, I'll just, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on the data component a little bit. Uh, there was, I, we thought we were maybe better at data than we were. Maybe not. I can't remember. But and and then we got like better at data. But then the better we got at data, we actually realized how how much data we actually didn't know. Um, and then the more we learned about data, like our our actual proficiency at data as a percentage or a, a level that we would estimate, uh, kind of went down over time because, or at least it went down over time for a period of time before it started going back up. Uh, mostly because as we learned more about that component, we. Um, actually realized how far we had to go, which was an interesting process. Um, how do you help people uncover that for themselves? Yeah, so um, the, the, the EOS model, the six key components, really it serves two uh, purposes. The first is that it's a framework or a lens through which we get an entire leadership team to look at their own business. So you're talking about that lens feature where once you understand what 100% strong in the data component or the process component or the people component is, you want that. And yet, part of the secret to running your business on EOS is you know that you're never going to get to 100% strong in all six key components. You're constantly going to be discovering new ways to improve. And as a company grows and changes and takes on stiffer competition – 
your definition of 100% strong does change. And so you're what you're experiencing in your implementation of EOS is very similar to my clients of you just have to assume that you're on a lifelong journey to, to strive for 100% strong or better in each of the six key components. And when you get to 80% strong or better, you're running a great organization that still has plenty of issues. And um, that's what leaders do. They prioritize and resolve issues and they constantly improve, uh, never rest. Uh, that's the journey we're all on together. That's why it's so exciting to do this work. So you've been implementing uh, since, did I read, uh, around 2007, 2008? Is that right? November of 2007, officially. And I think I read that you've done over a thousand full day sessions uh, with with businesses. Yeah, with 102 different businesses. Wow. What, um, gosh, I feel like... You you know some uh, unique secrets of so many different businesses, which is which is interesting. But what what have you seen maybe consistently over that many businesses that entrepreneurs uh, that maybe you think some of our listeners that are, are listening right now get get stuck with, even when they're applying something like EOS? What's something that we all kind of suffer from? Uh, you know, I think a common challenge is. Um, we're all human and we, we would prefer not to be, <laughs> and we, would, we would prefer the people around us not to be either. So uh, every one of my clients is a wonderful, well-intentioned, passionate, hardworking, beautiful organism. And every one of my clients is a deeply flawed frightened, weak, you know, quivering mass of flesh. And we've, we've all got all that in all of us. And I think one of the things that's so fun for me, having done this for so many days over so many years, is that, is that I feel like I'm surrounded by like-minded souls just trying to make good stuff happen in the world. And so, you know, my my piece of advice for your listeners is to take a deep breath and just relax and know that you're good enough and the people around you are good enough. And if you try not to solve every issue today, working together with good people, you're probably going to get what you want from your business. You just have to take it one step at a time. I think that's so, that's such an important message. I mean, you literally with, with the implementation stuff, you know, Peyton, you're, you're in people's back of the house most of the time, you know, you're, you're getting to see the real confidential issues that, you know, your hundred clients over the last, you know, uh, over, I guess over a decade or so, um, have, have brought to the table, uh, and so you probably have seen that even the companies that look all buttoned up on the outside might not be so buttoned up uh, when you're behind behind the scenes. Um, well, that's the best part of the job. And, I, you know, Gino and I wrote Get a Grip Together, which is a business fable about a real life example company going through EOS implementation. And it's meant to be gritty and real and raw the way most of our clients are. And the name of the company is Swan Services for a reason, because most entrepreneurs are very careful to curate 
the view of them and their organizations that the outside world sees. And so above the surface of the lake, the mm. swan looks beautiful and regal and it's not working too hard and everything's pretty. But below the surface of the water, you can see those little legs paddling like crazy and there's a little bit of chaos and bedlam in there. And, <laughs> you know, and, we, and we get into the inner sanctum pretty quick. You know, it's amazing how quickly with EOS implementation, the chips are all on the table. And, um, and it's okay. I mean, I, 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 there will never be a perfect organization. There will never be a perfect leader. There will never be a perfect leadership team. It's okay you know, you, you are who you are and, and the goal with EOS implementation, like it is with any business that you're running, is just to get better tomorrow than you were yesterday. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, of all the things I've learned in a thousand sessions, it's having a lofty aspiration for anything more than that in whatever it is you're doing to make your business better is probably going to be more of a curse than a blessing. I'd like to talk about urgency for a moment because pre-EOS for myself, I, w I was definitely that visionary that would get an idea, go to a conference, do something. And, uh, you know, maybe I was feeling a little bit of the pressure in the business of things not really going how I wanted them to. So I'd come in and initiate this, you know, huge change all of a sudden and try to, you know, I'd really sell the vision of, of the day. Uh, and get everybody trying to work towards something. And then I'd kind of, um, <laughs> I'd not get bored, but you know, four or five months later, I'd, I'd kind of not be as interested in, in, in whatever idea that I had. And, and something that I've learned since applying the discipline of EOS is that most things that come into your business, most ideas, most, uh, even a lot of the problems that seem urgent on the surface, uh, whether it's an idea for a new product or, uh, or, or an issue, uh, most of those things, um, aren't really urgent. And I find when I talk to entrepreneurs, friends of mine that are not running on EOS, uh, they're kind of in constant fire drill mode. Uh, where, you know, they might even be, you know, canceling meetings with me last minute or, um, you know, just doing things that uh, maybe because some some fire came up, some client needed their attention or this or that. Um, how do you get people to get out of that kind of mode of constant urgency? I mean, I think a lot of people listening could relate to that of, I mean, maybe they're in a moment right now where they're they feel like they're listening to this podcast and they should be doing something else. They have a client, the deadline or something, and they're not really doing, they're, they're not taking care of themselves. They're not taking care of their business uh, in the right way. How, how do you teach people to deal with the ur urgency? Well, 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 first, my advice would be if you're listening to me rather than taking care of an important client, stop listening to me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, that's point number one. Um, you know, it, 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 the answer is in the six key components. So, so I'll, I'll touch on a couple of them. So number one, the vision component, where, where you and your leadership team get clear on where you're going and how you plan to get there is really, there's an art and a science in that two-page strategic plan where an EOS company articulates its vision that gets everybody on the same page with where we're going long-term what our big goal is, what's most important over the next three years, what's most important this year, and what's most important this quarter. 
And so that tool really makes it easy for you to prioritize the truly important from the urgent in the context of a larger vision. It's a tool for helping a leadership team align around short-term decisions. And so when you have a harebrained scheme that all of a sudden feels like it's going to revolutionize your business and you hold it up against your vision and your plan, now your leadership team can say to you, whoa, 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 Brent, I see where you have some passion around this, but how does this fit into our vision? And are you really sure that you want to sacrifice executing on this vision in order to go chase this shiny stuff? And at least you're going to have a conversation about it because I certainly know a lot of entrepreneurs and may might be one myself who would argue that till the cows come home, right? Uh, but that's one component where we really help entrepreneurs and their leadership teams do a better job of prioritizing. The other component that's probably most important towards prioritization is the traction component, which is a way of instilling focus, discipline, and accountability in the organization. And that accountability piece is really important because starting six new ideas and finishing none frustrates even the most visionary entrepreneurs. And so with the traction component where we create a 90-day world for the organization and everybody signs up for a handful of real priorities, we call them rocks, and then we drive accountability for keeping those rocks on track every week, and at the end of the quarter, we take stock and see how we did, that discipline of the 90-day world and the weekly level 10 meeting where we're keeping ourselves on track makes failure really obvious. And so one of the reasons entrepreneurs struggle to focus is because they don't keep score of how many ideas they chased and how many actually came to fruition. And so the combination of the vision and traction component and working to strengthen those two things really helps even the most visionary entrepreneur say to himself or herself, you know what? This crazy idea I have right now is just an idea and it isn't important enough. I haven't vetted it enough to derail everything else we're working on. And it's important enough to me that we execute on what we're working on that I'm willing to wait a quarter to see how this fleshes out. It's practice and discipline that helps people kind of calm down and make better prioritization decisions, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think even when we first started using EOS, the amount uh, of, of rocks that we each took on was, uh, our appetite was large. <laughs> and then we quickly learned, hey, having six of these things that we're working on simultaneously is is not really in service of the business, which has been an interesting, uh, I'm sure you see that pretty often. Well, yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is, if you're not going to be accountable for the outcome, and saying done or not done, and an entrepreneur says, I want you to sign up for these 11 things, um, you're going to say yes, if you're not going to be held accountable for the outcome. If you're going to be held accountable for the outcome, and, and, and an entrepreneur says, I need you to sign up for these 11 things, you're going to feel comfortable saying, I know I can get four of them done well this quarter, which four are the most important to you? 
And then you can have a great dialogue around focus, discipline, and accountability. That's, that's kind of the traction component in a nutshell. So recently you shifted seats or you took on a new role of uh, essentially taking over visionary of EOS worldwide from, uh, from Gino. Uh, when, when did that happen and, and how has that transitioned? I think a lot of the reason I bring this up just to give you kind of a, my intent behind this is, is I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, um, that idea of handing over the vision of the business to somebody else is is a huge block. I, I was just talking with somebody uh, prior to to jumping on uh, to this this interview where that was the big thing for them was either stepping out or stepping away or or transitioning out of the business. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have so much identity packed up in that. Uh, how did you guys realize that that was a good idea, and how has that transition been? Well, from a good idea standpoint, the truth is Gino never wanted to be the long-term driver and face of this business. He um, is is a lifelong entrepreneur. He's passionate about helping entrepreneurs. He wants to be an EOS implementer. He does not want to um, you know, be the face of EOS worldwide. And so, um, you know, that's why a transition was necessary because he felt he could get the company to a certain point and then needed to entrust it to other people to take it to the next level. Um, In terms of one for one replacing Gino in the visionary seat, I would make the point to your listeners that EOS Worldwide is a very unusual organization in that the visionary has a significantly larger number of tactical responsibilities. So for example, I conduct all the training sessions for our new EOS implementers, and I run the quarterly collaborative exchanges that we do in Detroit every quarter. And there's a little bit more of a day job to being the visionary of EOS worldwide than many of your listeners uh, might perceive in their own businesses. And so that's why it was important to replace the visionary with a visionary. With all my clients where that's not the case, what's really important when a visionary wants to retire from the business or exit from the day-to-day and no longer even participate as a member of the leadership team is that he or she and the rest of the leadership team make sure all the work historically done by the visionary and all the value created by the visionary is done by the right member of the team, be they a member of the leadership team or not. And so it's not unusual with my clients that are, for example, contract manufacturers and the founding entrepreneur who's the visionary retires. All of the jobs that were in the visionary seat get distributed amongst the integrator, maybe the head of engineering or research and development, uh, maybe marketing or sales leader owns the big relationships. You know, the visionary seat is just like any other seat at the leadership team level in that, in that there's some stuff you need to do every week that creates value in the business. And when you're building your leadership team out, you got to make sure the right person is accountable for those things. And that's the way to manage that transition. Hmm. 
Hmm. So, so you can actually take the day-to-day responsibilities and distribute them out amongst the team versus replacing? Maybe I didn't understand that 100%. Yeah, the so. vast majority of the time, a visionary exits the leadership team for one of my clients. They are not replaced hmm. by someone in the visionary seat. Their roles are replaced by other members of the leadership team. And occasionally, it's other members of the company one or more of whom don't sit at the leadership team level. So not every business has a visionary. And I, I remember that being talked about um, in uh, in the books. Um, and, and so you actually have lots of companies that, that phase out of maybe even needing one or that it's just more of a personal thing with the visionary wanting to not participate? Well, you know, 90% of the time there's a visionary seat in a focus day with a new client. The visionary seat is owned by the founding entrepreneur. And, you know, I would, I would send your listeners to the book Rocket Fuel by Gino uh, Wickman and Mark Winters, another colleague of mine who is an EOS implementer, for a deep dive on the visionary and integrator roles. Um, and, and there's a lot of great context in that book about this particular issue. Um, uh, you know, in a, in a short podcast, I can't really do it justice. But the bottom line is, um, you know, if you need a visionary in your business, and some do, you're going to replace yourself with a different visionary. Um, and if you don't, some don't, you want to make sure the roles you fill. So maybe it's culture, maybe it's uh, big relationships, maybe it's creative problem solving industry trends, big ideas, you know, if those things are going to continue to be important in your organization, the the one non-negotiable is before you resign or retire, you got to make sure somebody who's a right person in the right seat owns those things, or you're never going to be able to fully let go. And you and your leadership team will decide whether that's one seat, multiple seats, or a new visionary. Lots to think about there. Peyton, yep. are you uh, ready for our lightning round? Yeah, you'll be the judge of that. But yeah, <laughs> awesome. I, I, I have, you know, I, I could probably, we could talk about EOS, some of the issues we've had uh, for, for hours or do entire episodes just on one thing. And I'm sure you guys have plenty of content out there. We'll talk about where listeners can find you uh, and, and all of the great stuff you have for them here in just one minute. But uh, before we get to that, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received was when I was contemplating a total leap into entrepreneurship. And I said to my then father-in-law, who was a lifelong entrepreneur himself, I don't know, maybe I should take the safe path and work for a big company with an employment agreement and all of that stuff. And he looked at me and he said, ah, Peyton, I thought you were smart. The only truly safe path is when you're personally responsible for your own well-being. You want to go work for somebody else, you're at their mercy. That's the best advice I ever received. Relying on one's own ability, one's own ability to generate value before asking anything in return is the truly safe play. And the earlier your listeners understand that, the happier I think they're going to be as as entrepreneurs as, as and as people. That's great. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? 
Uh, am I allowed to call neuroses a personal <laughs> habit? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe uh, how how does that uh, how does that play out for yourself? I I am obsessive about exceeding expectations, and um, it is deeply important to me that uh, the people with whom I interact leave every interaction having gotten tremendous value from that interaction. And uh, my clients all joke about me. I work my tail off not to have to think about anything else in a session or in a meeting with a client other than really tuning into them and really understanding what they need and delivering on what they need. That's the habit I'm most proud of and, um, and has, has paid the most dividends for me and the people around me. Nice. Can you share an internet resource or an app uh, that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? So we were joking about Zoom versus Skype when we got onto this call, but I would have to say it's Zoom. Um, you know, I'm 53, almost 54 years old, and until about two years ago, like most people my age, I kind of looked down my nose at virtual connectivity, far preferring a handshake and a coffee meeting and leaning into a conversation. And I've just found in the last uh, you know, couple of years that the quality and consistency of online connectivity uh, with things like Zoom uh, really take relationship building uh, from thousands of miles away to a new level. Uh, and it's really changed my thinking about, you know, how we are going to be able to connect with one another in the future. What book would you recommend and why? Yeah, I'm going to not recommend a, a, one of the traction library, traction in the, in the four other books, because I don't want to shill our own material <laughs> here. You know, I've been teaching a lot of LMA, which in an EOS company stands for Leadership, Management, and Accountability. It's our way of leading and managing people to drive accountability, get better results. And uh, um, my colleague, Renee Bohr and Gino wrote a book called How to Be a Great Boss on that subject, which is an awesome read. But the other book I recommend every time I teach that is an oldie but a goodie called The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. And for your listeners who struggle to delegate and elevate to their own unique ability and struggle to let go of the vine and struggle to let their people make their own decisions, that book by Ken Blanchard and a co-author whose name I can't remember um, is, is the quickest, most valuable read I've ever had in my career outside of the EOS stuff. Awesome. And I know if you, if you choose to go uh, down the EOS rabbit hole, uh, we get assigned reading every quarter. So I know you have kind of book homework and I've, I've really expanded my uh, knowledge of a lot of different topics around LMA uh, through that process, which has been really helpful. And in that book was uh, one of those uh, readings. And so we'll include links to that in our podcast notes, as well as 
to, to shill your business for you, uh, Peyton. We will include links to all, all of the EOS worldwide books uh, as well. As long as somebody else is doing it, I'm completely comfortable with that. So where can, uh, where can our audience find out more about you uh, and then anything uh, that, that you, got, you might have for them? Yeah, I would uh, send everybody to eosworldwide.com. By intention, we have made that website a place to share EOS with the world. So your listeners can download a bunch of tools at no charge, uh, watch a bunch of videos that explain how to use the tools, find links to the sites where they can buy the books, find links to connect with EOS implementers in your community so you can learn more one-on-one or with your leadership team about how to implement EOS in your business. It is all at eosworldwide.com. And you'll also be able to find me there and connect with me live if you so choose. Very cool. Well, Peyton, we love uh, the work that you're doing at EOS Worldwide. We love uh, the books that you uh, have, have published. Get a Grip was my... Uh, introduction to uh, EOS Worldwide. I, I read that on the plane uh, going out to that mastermind before hearing you speak and uh, immediately gave my business partner that book on the way back. And you know what I did? I, did, I didn't I did bring this up earlier, but I didn't even tell him about anything to do with EOS. I just said, go read this book and then we're going to go have lunch. And that is just, that was that was the moment I stopped uh, lobbing uh, grenades into my business coming out of conferences. And I actually said, look, I, this is going to take us a while to implement. This is going to, I'm not in a hurry. Just go read this book. We'll have lunch and we'll talk about next steps. Uh, and that was, that was probably one of the most important things that I uh, I did in my business and uh, and the thanks go to you guys and, and your team at EOS and uh, the great work you're doing spreading that and uh, just want to uh, share that appreciation with you and as well for uh, taking the time to hang out with us on the Digital Agency Show. My great pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brent. All right. See you guys. Until uh, next week, I'm Brent Weaver.